Hello and welcome to the Travel Radio Podcast. I am your host, Megan Chapa. Please forgive my voice. I am a little under the weather with a summer cold. But on a positive note, our guest, Matthew Walgren, is as healthy as he can be. So welcome, Matt. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me again. Of Great course. To be back. Matt, it's kind of fitting that you're on the program because you are my very first guest and we are now one year old. So welcome back and thank you again. Nice to be back on the anniversary. So Matt, you, I think you've probably joined us for maybe four episodes, all of which are excellent. If you haven't heard Matt's episodes before, uh, you can click on his profile and see everything that he's been featured on. But Matt, would you take a minute for people who have not heard you before and just tell them about who you are and what you specialize in in the world of travel? Yeah, so I'm, um, this is my fourth year as a travel consultant. I've always, you know, ever since my Peace Corps, Peace Corps experience, I've uh, been trying to figure out a, a role or a career that would uh, get me back to travel. And, and finally, I'm like, oh, travel consultant, that'll work. And so it's, it's been my fourth year now. And I specialize mostly on Europe and um, river cruising. That's that's my, my focus. And talking about river cruising, today's theme is, well, today's topic is a recap on Amazon river cruising, which is wildly different from what we think of when we think of a Viking or an Ama river cruise as far as slow moving down some magnificent European river. This is something completely different. So, Matt, will you take us on a little story adventure on what your river cruise was like and how you put it together? So let's start with um, who went on the trip and why you wanted to take this trip. Yeah, so um, there's about uh, me and a few buddies uh, decided to go, and uh, I just it, it was through, originally through uh, G Adventures, I saw an ad for a familiarization trip that I could go on to better understand the product, and I just thought, oh, no, I'd rather go with my friends. So I put together this little group, and um, it just looked amazing, and it's a, it's a kind of trip I've never been on before. I've never been on this kind of wilderness trip. Now, of course, I've gone camping and stuff like that as a kid, but nothing like being in a jungle. So I just thought it was so different than all my other travels, which are mostly Europe or cities or resorts or even small towns, like small European towns or small Japanese towns, but never, never, you know, villages um, with, you know, sort of huts and, and thatch roofs. So I just thought it'd be totally different than anything I'd ever experienced. And so that's why I wanted to do it. And plus, I decided to be so cool to see, you know, animals um, in their natural environment that normally I could probably only see at a zoo. And did it meet your expectations? It, it, it beat them. So uh, I was surprised because every day we would, uh, you know, we'd have this amazing day and the, and the naturalist guides who were, who were there on board the ship and took us out would say, so we're going to beat today. We're going to make it even better tomorrow. And then they would. And I was just, I didn't think they could make it better, but they, that each day just got better and better. They really, they really got it down. They really got the itinerary down and, and really knew how to wow us. So Matt, you've been on a European river cruise before, uh, something that's luxurious, very tailored to a high-end clientele. And that's not to say that this isn't a luxurious experience, but as you mentioned, it's all about nature. It's traveling on a boat through the Amazon. Can you give us some compare and contrast on the, the styling differences so that if someone's been on like a Viking river cruise and they go to get on this different style, what they should expect? 
Yeah, definitely. And just to note, there are uh, the experience I chose was a um, very culturally immersive experience. What I wanted, and it, it is probably rated three, three and a half stars. Now, that's not to say there aren't four and five star options um, on the Amazon. There definitely are. Um, it's just not. It's just not what I chose. But it's kind of up to the experience you want to have. But the difference between what I experienced on this ship, the Amatista, versus um, the European ones is, you know, the food is more sort of down home, I'd say. It's more like home-cooked food rather than, you know, French-style uh, cuisine where it's very fancy, very good, very delicate. Um, this, is, this is more like a, a buffet style uh, rather than plated. Um, they're using what was kind of amazing, actually, and I was surprised with, is they're using pretty much almost the same ingredients every single day in every meal but flipping them around. So they were pretty creative with coming up with different dishes with almost all the same ingredients. Um, the other thing is the rooms uh, aren't going to be quite as nice. So, for example, um, our room, um, it was a decent size, and the bathroom was a decent size, but maybe the, the bathroom style was a little older, the hot water didn't work all the time, or it was a little finicky. Um, they were, you know... Uh, spaces within the door that could get through. So um, it wasn't it wasn't your five-star experience, definitely a, a three, three-and-a-half-star experience in terms of um, the accommodations. Now, that being said, I loved the lounge area. The lounge area was, was well-appointed. Um, the uh, bar area, which was kind of outdoor but covered, was really cool. So you could be out there um, where it was warm, but it was covered. So even if it rained, you wouldn't get wet. Um, the staff and, and customer service were amazing. They were all great um, to, to hang out with and and, um, and interact with and, and always willing to answer our questions. And um, so everything in terms of that was, was incredible. And um, which was really fun was every night, um, the entertainment. Since, so when you're in Europe, you're stopping in little towns and people can get on board the ship from the town and, and and entertain you with, you know, traditional dances or, or different things or singers. Um, but when you're in the middle of the jungle, um, it's a little bit harder to arrange those sort of things. So the staff um, actually comes together and they sing and they play instruments every night and they play some um, traditional Peruvian songs, but they also play some uh, American and British favorites, which was kind of cool, but in their own kind of style with their instruments. And so that was really fun. So to audition to actually work on one of these ships or to interview, you have to have a lot of skills. I feel like you do. Yeah, I was like, they must, it must be a requirement that everybody plays an instrument at least. Um, <laughs> or you got to be really good at your other job. Uh, you got to be a really good cook or you got to be a really good naturalist guy to, to overcome. But it looks like they all kind of had a lot of talents. That's awesome. And it kind of makes sense. actually when you think about it because... The, the people that were on the ship were, were are natives of the jungle. So they lived in these little towns that, that we were visiting. And so, you know, there's not electricity necessarily. There's not TV. So what are you going to do to entertain yourself? You know, you're going to learn an instrument. You're going to sing songs. You're going to do that, that sort of thing. So it kind of makes sense that a lot of these the people on the ship have these skills. Yeah, that's really neat. Now, can you tell us about... Um itinerary and also let's talk about you know even just the transit and getting to your first stop 
Uh, can you take us from leaving the U.S. and getting to your first, you know, getting onto the ship? Yeah. So um, we left um, out of SFO, San Francisco, and we stopped in Panama. Now, some uh, of our friends had a different flight, and they stopped, I think, in either Atlanta or, or Dallas or something. But we stopped in Panama, which is actually really cool. And I do recommend that route just because you can see the Panama Canal from from the plane if you choose the right seat, which uh, was really cool. And we got some really cool video on that. Um, it was a really short layover, uh, less than an hour, but the gate was right there. It's a small airport, so it was pretty easy. Um, and that was that flight was about seven hours. Um, and so for that, I decided last minute, I looked into seeing if we could um, upgrade our seats just so we could get some sleep. Um, mm-hmm. And we were on Copa Airlines. Um, and, and so we were for a very reasonable rate. It only cost uh, 300 per person to upgrade that leg of the flight to business class, which was a nice treat. Um, and probably and we worth did it. Copa. I liked it. Yeah, it was totally worth it. Um, and... What we, what I try to do is when I travel, I, I don't really have airline loyalty. So I try and use an airline that's at least regional. Now, there weren't any Peruvian airlines from San Francisco to Peru, but Copa, um, is regional. At least it's, uh, Argentinian. So that, that way kind of getting the flavor of the region, at least it kind of almost feels like you're there when you're on, on the plane. And so I just really enjoy doing that. And I, and then you get to see what other airlines are like too. So I've never flown on Copa. So, and it's a, it's a basic airline too. It's not, it's probably three, three and a half star again. It's not, it's not super fancy or anything. Um, but being in, in the business class made it, made it a little nicer. So, so then from there, uh, we went to, uh, Lima. Um, but we were going to Machu Picchu first. So we didn't stay in Lima. If I were to do it again, I'd probably recommend a night in Lima just because there were just so many flights to go through all at once. So, but we, we stay in Lima that night. We uh, had a couple hour layover, um, which I'd also probably recommend more hours layover, although we, we were finding we made it. Now you probably want at least three. But then we went to Cusco. And so we stayed the night in Cusco and explored Cusco that night and um, just wandered around town and, and ate at some uh, pretty cool restaurants, actually. All right, so tell us about day two. So day two, we wake up um, early in the morning around 7. Our guide was there waiting for us. Uh, to, to, he's gonna. This is a three-day um, sort of a side trip to go visit Machu Picchu. So we explore. He takes us around Cusco. We explore the surrounding area, look at some, um, some religious sort of artifacts, and we go have uh, lunch at this um, local restaurant, but it's in the mountains, and it's just beautiful, and I have pictures I'm posting on my site, but um, really well done and, and made with all sort of um, kind of a farm-to-table experience, I guess what I would say. It's all local ingredients, um, really good food, and it's a, it's a co-op. It's um, made by a, a bunch of local women um, to kind of at their business, as their local business. So that was a really cool experience. We visited a, an alpaca farm and llama farm. So alpacas are, are kind of like llamas, if you don't know, except their um, llamas' ears go straight up and, and alpacas' ears go down, and that's how you can kind of tell the difference. I was actually they, wondering they this. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. They're everywhere here. Yeah. Well, one or the other is here. I'm not sure which one. So tell me again. What is it? Yeah, so a llama, you can tell it's a llama because its ears go straight up. 
and an alpaca, the ears are kind of down. Okay. Now I know. I'm going to find out. All right. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. So, uh, and they use it for the wool. So they shave them, use it for the wool. So this is another um, sort of women's cooperative um, where they would uh, shave the alpaca or lamb. Um, they have baby alpaca too, which is the softest wool you can get. And they showed us how they make various garments. So, um, shawls, scarves, bags, blankets, all kinds of things out of this and how they color it, which was really cool. So they had uh, different ways of coloring. And the most interesting thing was, I don't remember exactly what it was, but they used some sort of plant to, uh, color the fabric, the wool they showed us. And then, and it was like blue. They're like, Oh, okay, cool. Blue. And then they poured salt on it and then it, changed to green and you're like well that never how do you know that that why would the salt turn it green i had no idea that that's how you can just change the color by adding another little ingredient um so that was really cool and they showed us how they stretch it out and use um the various devices and then uh of course we could actually buy stuff there too which was cool so i love uh buying things from local merchants um because you know that it was made there, that it's local. Sometimes, you know, you go to countries and they have all their souvenirs out there, but the souvenirs weren't. Like they were made in China? Yeah. Yeah, they were made in China oh. or Mexico or somewhere else. So it's like, yeah, well, that kind of ruins the fun of it for me. So um, it was kind of cool that we could buy these things from locals where you met the person who actually who actually made it. Yeah, and they get the money. It, it goes right to them. Yeah, and it goes right to them. So you're supporting the local economy too, which which I like and which is another reason why I chose G Adventures because I know that a huge percentage of um, the money that, that comes through actually stays locally. When other tour companies that you use uh, might, you know, it might be only 20% actually makes it to the local. So, and G Adventures does a really good job at making sure that um, they're actually supporting the local economies with their with their dollars that we bring in. So, I, I like the idea of that. Yeah, but yeah the, that, the farm was really cool. They had this little guinea pig um, apartment building <laughs> where all these little guinea pigs came out. Um, so, and so those are two actually um, alpaca and guinea pig are two um, very popular animals there that they also eat. And so we actually got to try uh, guinea pig and alpaca that day as well, mm. which was, which was <laughs> interesting. I never tried those. I like trying different things. Okay. So I said this the last podcast Matt was on, but Matt's, one of the more adventurous eaters as far as guests go on this program, his very first episode, episode one, which is one year ago, we started off with him eating a sparrow on a stick and him chewing on the crunchy head. And uh, it was just so he's an adventurous eater. So, all right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about what alpaca tastes like. Yeah. Definitely. And just to let, as a side note, that's not, those are even the most interesting thing, the weirdest things I ate, but we'll get into those ones <laughs> later in the itinerary. But, um, awesome. The alpaca is kind of like, um, is more of kind of like beef is the most relatable thing to it, I guess. And it's best done with a nice sauce or in a stew. So we had that several times. I really enjoyed it with, with the sauce because it is a little bit drier. Mm. Um, with the sauce, it made it, it made it really nice. So we enjoyed that. The guinea pig is kind of like um, pork. Oh, interesting. Um, it'd be more similar to pork, I would say. Um, have you had rabbit? I'd say I like that. I'm sure you've I have had rabbit. Yeah. yeah, some people said it was kind of like rabbit, actually. Yeah. They said guinea pig similar to rabbit. Oh, 
But okay. the ironic thing is actually we're babysitting guinea pigs right now for um, oh, for no. family. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Don't let them hear this episode. <laughs> we warned them. <laughs> hey, we were eating guinea pig earlier, but that's okay. We're not going <laughs> to we'll still take care of them. Oh, my goodness. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So day two, you're in Machu Picchu. You're eating uh, guinea pig and alpaca. All right, what else happened? Yeah, so we did some hikes. Um, every day was, was jam-packed uh, full, and the great thing about the guides were on the you know, itinerary we had was a little bit vague of everything we'd do. There were some key points, but then uh, they allowed the guides to show you their favorites and show you what they love about the area, which was really cool because you can feel the passion um, with them when they're kind of showing you their, their things that they like to see, and, and it just it kind of, you know, transfers to to you. And so we went to Oye Ten Tambo, which is um, where you take the train to uh, Machu Picchu Village or um, uh, Aguas Caliente, they call it. And uh, But we did a hike in Oye Ten Tambo and then uh, spent the night. We had an early, early wake-up uh, call because we actually stayed that night in um, Machu Picchu Village slash Aguas Caliente. And just to get there... So we can have the whole day um, with less crowds. Um, we woke up at 3.30 in the morning. Holy cow. And we, yeah, and, and they're still lying. So we got there at about 4 a.m., mm-hmm. and there must have been, I don't know how many people, maybe 80 people in front of us already. And, the, and a half hour later, there was a huge line um, all the way back. I can't even say how many people, but hundreds of people just a half hour later. So getting there by 4 um, you know, did help a lot. We got on the first buses, um, and we had a great tour guide because uh, people there was a, there's actually several tour guides there um, for various groups, and they kind of stood on the other side of the line watching and making sure nobody cut in line. Oh my and there gosh. were several people that tried to cut, and they would call them out and yell at them <laughs> and shame them <laughs> to go to the back of the line. But um, so that was kind of interesting. But hey, yeah, early day. I would do it too. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, we all appreciated it because um, we, you know, we've been waiting there, and so. So this was the line yeah, to the get on the bus, right? <laughs> this is just to get on the bus. Okay, so you so did not hike to the train. top. No, and you could so, and you could start off earlier if you did that. So you take the train. So I do recommend staying in Aguas Caliente so you can get up earlier because otherwise you'd stay in Oyetaytambo. And that city, um, it's, you got to take a train to Aguas Caliente first. And the trains don't start till later in the morning. Yeah. So at least if we're already there, uh, we can get the bus at 5 in the morning. That's when they start. Um, or you can hike that last bit. It's about an hour, hour and a half hike. Um, and we saw people doing that because it was kind of on a similar path as the as the bus, the bus weaves back and forth, right? And you'd see mm-hmm. the people passing through and crossing the street and taking the steps up. And there were steps. Um, and they were they were uh, tired by the end. You could tell yeah, they were sweaty. Their shirts were off. Do you know what altitude you were at? So in Machu Picchu is about uh, 9,000 mm-hmm. um, altitude miles um, now uh, or feet. Now, um but uh, Cusco is higher, so Cusco is over thirteen thousand. So um, that that was actually higher than Machu Picchu, um, and that's where you, you start to you might experience um, hypoxia. Some, uh, 
altitude sickness. Yeah, so, but we had medicine for that, and they love to offer you uh, coca tea out of coca leaves, um, which I actually really enjoyed, and it's really healthy for you. It just tastes like green tea, but it, but it helps um, with that sort of thing. It's got all kinds of vitamins on it. If you looked it up on um, WebMD, you'd see it's got vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamins B1 through 12. It's got calcium. It's got it's kind of it really is a superfood, but it is it is illegal in the U.S. I was going to say, because, yep. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's, that's the leaf that they use to make coke out of, um, and so in trying to stop the the coke trade, um, they they banned it. Um, but but itself, it doesn't it's it didn't have any effect. There's no drug like effect on drinking the tea because it has to be highly refined in order to get that. Um, all right, so, so far drug. you ate alpaca, you ate guinea pig, and you drank Coke. This day is going to be amazing. Yeah. Keep going. So, yeah, right? I mean, already these, the, the experience is like, but it even gets even better. But it's like, it's like wow, this is <laughs> so cool so far. And for me being, you know, liking to try different foods and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so but getting back to Machu Picchu. So we arrive at Machu Picchu, another line, right? Um, and all the people that got there earlier because they actually hiked it and could get there before us. Um, but we got through it. It was fine. I don't like lines. I don't like waiting like that. But, you know, this is a, one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities to just sit back, mm-hmm. be patient, talk with your friends, and hang out. Mm-hmm. And just, 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 and like you're just hanging out. And, and then you get through, and Machu Picchu is actually pretty big. So when you get through, maybe there's some, some crunch points in there with tight spots of people. But for the most part, it's, it feels a lot more open and um, there's some paths and there's more room to breathe now um even with all those people that were trying to get in once you get in there it's, it's like oh it's this is this is a huge place and so he took us to some different angles we got some good pictures he took us to a bridge which was a which was a nice hike um and then we explored the city itself but, but just being up above it you everybody's seen the picture right where um there's someone standing there on a on sort of a mountain and then there's machu Picchu right behind them um, so breathtaking and it doesn't, you know, you could take a million pictures and we did and videos and all that stuff. It really doesn't do it justice. You have to see it in person. It's just, it's not the same unless you see it in person. That was just an amazing experience. And then, um, the guide takes us down and, uh, into the, the actual ruins and starts telling us everything about it. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I get the feeling they, they still don't know a lot what uh-huh. happened now because when they discovered it, there was nobody there. So there's yeah. nobody to ask, what did you do here? So they're trying to figure things out. And there's a lot of theories and there's weird holes in certain places. And there's lots of different angled um, structures within the walls. Why did they angle it this way? Or why is there seemingly a window here, but then they covered it up um, and, and just different things. And they're just, the guy was really good. He was actually, I mean, he was a professor of, um, um, Peruvian history at, at, a, at a university, a local university. And so he really knew his stuff. Um, and we were really you know, fortunate to have him. That's really interesting. And were you, were you like, this is culturally amazing? Or were you like, I'm getting creeped out right now and someone's going to eat my heart or something like that? No, I didn't feel anything like that. It was more culturally amazing and just historically very interesting. And it's not uh, if I remember correctly, it's not as old as you as you think. I mean, I think it was built like in the 1400s or something like that, mm. or, or 1300s. It's not like you, you thought maybe it was you know 2000 BC or something. It was built, 
it's not, it's old. It's really old, but it's not as old as, as, as you think. Um, and they, it, it was just interesting. And of course it's like most rooms where it's kind of half there because the, they don't have the roofs on it anymore and anything like that, but they did have a couple where the roofs were on it. So you could see, uh, you kind of picture, okay, that's what one building looked like. Now I can picture what everything else must've looked like here in this village. Um, but, but because it is a UNESCO world heritage site, um, they don't allow you to restore it oh. unless you're keeping the integrity of the property. So it, it, you can restore it as long as it, it keeps with the integrity. And so they've got to, proven if you don't follow their rules then they're going to pull that sort of certification from you so they've got to yeah. be really careful about how they restore things and what they do so machu picchu amazing what else happened so, yeah so we had an amazing day right and then um we go down and we make our way back to cusco that day one last night um had an amazing meal. I've got, I don't know, know it off the top of my head, but it was a really nice restaurant and this little, um, I don't know how to describe that. You walk, it's like a building and then you walk in and it's, it's one of those buildings where there's like a courtyard in the middle where it's, you're still outdoors, even though you walked in and there's all different kinds of businesses inside. And it was this little sort of artist community. And I love to buy art, street art from locals. Um, and I like watching them paint it and then I like buying something from them. And it had all that kind of stuff inside there. Um, which was really cool. And you can buy some art, um, some paintings of Machu Picchu or other things. Um, and then there's this really cool restaurant, which I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm going to add it to my site. Um, and then we spent the night there. Uh, we wake up. Um, First off, before we get to the river cruise, let me ask you this. What, what, is, what is the most striking story or, or memory that you will have from Machu Picchu? Well, the most interesting thing to me um, was when he showed us um, a slab of, of stone in one of the rooms. Um, and you could see when he showed us, when we looked up at the surrounding mountains, you could see that it was sort of a map of, of the mountains and what was around them because the stones mimicked the mountains the way that they had carved them. And so that I was like, well, that's really cool. And they, and why did they do that? And, um, what was it for? Not quite sure, but there was lots of things uh, in there related to the mountains around them and where the sun fell. And they even had like a, a sort of um, sun sort of, I don't want to say clock, but there was a period uh, once every year where the sun shines directly through um, this space and goes into um, a room. And they don't know exactly why or what, what was going on there, but that just really intrigued me. What were they looking at? What were they trying to solve or, or what was this ritual surrounded with all these sort of rock maps that they had created? Yeah. I love that sort of thing. I mean, like the, so the Anasazi, um, in like Pueblo, like that sort of Southwest United States, they used to do something similar, um, where they would, you know, the sun basically pointed to this as like the planting time. This is the harvest time, that sort of thing. And it's all very interesting, but um, that's a neat takeaway. Yeah, it might have been to help them track the seasons or something, maybe. And I, I think they said something, too, like the way that they worked is, if I remember correctly, I think they didn't use four seasons. They used, like, three seasons mm. or something like that. So, that's yeah. neat. 
everyone. Sorry, but I am going to place a break there because there's about another 30 minutes or more of excellent data, and I just didn't want the episode to get too long. So next week will be part two of the Amazon River Cruise episode with Matthew Walgren. Matthew can be contacted primarily through Matt, M-A-T-T dot travel is his website. And then also, if you go to the guests section of this podcast, you can see Matt's contact information, his website, the other three or four episodes that he's been on. And uh, that's how you can contact him to plan your own adventures through Matt too. Thank you so very much and have a great day. This is Megan Chapa of the Travel Radio Podcast saying good night.